the problems that we have encountered because we really have let go of God in our world, in America. We put our nation right beside Romans chapter 1. This morning we started, what do we do now? Who do we turn to in light of the situation we are in? We talked about we're going back to the basics. This is part two, back to the basics part two. And we talked about, first of all, the first S was the State of the Union. That was last Sunday. The second S was study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And tonight we will continue that with the third S, and that is going to be the word seek. And that word will be pray, prayer. And so we find in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, I believe, is our verse we want to kick off our study tonight. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love. <clears throat> Lord, we saw a flag to follow, and those who look, we see it in Jesus. And so that song fits so well with our mindset of setting our eyes on you as we go into the year 2023, that we will serve you with more fervor, that we will see you are yet in control, that we will be reminded of your sovereign majesty, that we will be following you. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd work in all of our lives. May we uh, really serve you effectively this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Make sure this bike is on. I'm not sure it is on. It is not on. That's why I could not hear it. That should do it, I think. That should do it, I believe. It should do it. All right. We are to be people of the book. That was this morning, this evening, people of prayer, etc. We are to pray without ceasing. How important is prayer to the Christian? It is absolutely vital. What is prayer? It's talking to God. It's simply like telling God what's going on in our lives. Daniel prayed, and as you're turning now to Acts 1.14, Daniel prayed, Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Daniel was a man of prayer. If you want to pick out somebody with a prayer, it was Daniel every single day, three times a day, opened the windows and, and prayed. The early church was a church of prayer. Acts chapter 1, please follow along if you can. Several verses we're going to look at regarding prayer, and we're just going to touch on them briefly to set the example of what we should be even in this a 21st century living here in America. We are to be people of prayer. Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. Chapter 6, verse 4, same book, 6, verse 4. Chapter 6, verse 4, if you would please, was prayer part of the early church. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. And to the ministry of the word, chapter 12, verse 5, chapter 12, verse 5, Peter is in prison, and where do the people turn? Chapter 12, verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. We are to be, a, a, when we have prayer, probably one of the least attended meetings across America will be prayer meeting service. A lot of churches have jettisoned even the Sunday night service in lieu of other things or just simply not to have one. I, I remember Pat, Dr. Robertson would have these crooked fingers and say, it takes three to thrive, three to thrive, young person. And it does. It, to, to thrive, we need to be in God's house every, every moment, it's, every time it's open. I remember Stephanie was just telling me, I think it was yesterday in our, in our drive, that how her dad was saved. Uh, he pastored a church at Temple, one of the chapels, and only a year and a half 
after being saved, but even when he went to the Methodist church unsaved and taught the men's Sunday school class, I think of over a hundred men, he was unsaved. And then he finally came to know Christ as personal savior, and then he went to school, etc., and he pastored after only a year and a half of receiving Christ, I said, but he had a lot of Bible knowledge ahead of that. But that's, we are to be people of prayer, praying for one another and actively involved. We are to be praying that way. Oh, Lord, our God, it says the psalmist, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Psalmist said in 88.2, let thy, my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry. Psalm 109, verse 4, for my love, they are, thy, they are my adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. That should be just a, a, a commonality. You think, well, pastor, we ever, not every Christian prays. It should be something that we are, are, are part of. I have, I have trained myself, and I pray for everyone of, in our church every single day. I pray for every single one of you. And that helps me to keep in mind. What's, that's why when you tell me something's going on in your life, you got the croup, you got whatever, I'm doing this, having a test, I'm doing this. That way, when I pray for you in the morning, I know how to better pray for you. Because you're, you're going through something. You're, you're traveling. You're, this needs fixed. Or you're going through this. And so that's we are to be people of prayer. Ephesians 6.18, please. Ephesians 6.18. 6.18. A couple more verses. And we'll talk about then what, why, do we, or why are we to pray. Ephesians 6.18. Again, back to the basics, Bible reading and prayer. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. James 5, 16 and 17, please. James, Hebrews, James. James 5, 16 and 17. James chapter 5, verse 16. James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed for the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly, earnestly prayed. We, we are to be about, God wants to hear from us. Proverbs 15.8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. He wants to hear from That's amazing. When you think about God, who's controlling everything, wants to hear from you, wants to hear from me. The Lord is far from the wicked, Proverbs 15.29, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Are we a praying people? Why pray? I read this, these different reasons why we pray. First of all, it helps us grow closer to God. Secondly, helps us to align ourselves with God's will, asking him to lead us. Lord, show me clearly. We met with, uh, I met with the three deacons this evening, few months before church, to show us clearly how to, how to do these things and what we should do and how we should go forward. And we want to honor God. We want God's wisdom. So we need to pray for that. We do need to pray for that. Thirdly, it shows us that life is not about us. We are not the center of the universe. The world does not revolve around us, and the universe is his footstool, not ours. We today have been fostered the idea that we are, as individuals, the center of everything and, and everything should revolve around us. It doesn't. It's his world. This is my father's world. Gives us, fourthly, strength and hope. Uh, the spirit that ministers, I believe, to our spirit as we talk with him. And third, fourthly, prayer gives us wisdom and guidance. It says in James 1.5, if any of you lack, lack wisdom... Let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. We are to be, Lord, please give me wisdom. I pray that often. Lord, please give me wisdom as pastor Solomon prayed at the very beginning. Lord, give me wisdom and understanding. And he got everything else involved as well. 
Prayer increases our faith. Seventhly, prayer brings peace and comfort. He will never leave us nor forsake us. It can bring us the peace of God when we are at peace with God. Eight, we pray to seek forgiveness, to resist temptation. Nine, we pray to give God thanks and praise. And ten, we pray to be obedient to God. Prayer does change things. It's such a powerful tool. I trust you are availing yourself to prayer. If you don't have an actual physical prayer list, I still have my mom's actual physical prayer list from the last several years. Is a treasure. To see all the names on there, and I've got it in a box. Just I don't know where, where it is right there. We have to be people of prayer. So we have the State of the Union. That was last week. We have the. We are to be studying to show ourselves approved. We are to be seeking God prayer. And third, fourthly, then we are to serve. We are to serve. Psalm 100, please, if you're turning your Bibles. I don't ask you very often to turn to so many references, but I want us to see the overall principle of, of service, prayer, etc. Psalm 100. Psalm 100, what a beautiful psalm. It says, starts at the very beginning. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And what's the next part? Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. It doesn't say necessarily serve your employer with gladness. We are to be serving with a good spirit, but we are to serve the Lord with gladness. Well, how long is it going to last? Well, Revelation 22, verse 3. This idea of service is not something that's simply going to go by the wayside when we get to heaven. Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall what? Serve him. We are going to be serving God for eternity. It's going to be a wonderful thing. We will enjoy it. I know we will. It's going to be a wonderful thing. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 as well. Galatians 5, 13. One more verse on the idea of service. Galatians 5, 13. Galatians 5, 13 says, For brethren, uh, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not this liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Here's the last part. But by love serve one another to serve we are to serve one another we are to serve wholeheartedly it's not to be a a, a lackadaisical call i'll do it if i have time if it's convenient we are to be we are to put our whole heart into it you see people who put their whole heart into basketball learning or computer technology or football playing and all these different things and they, they really become good at those things because they really are focused on those things we are to focus on what god has for us Without complaint, I wrote down. Now, this is my own personal notes about service. Wholeheartedly without complaint. A Pew Research said that 50% or 57% of American Christians believe other religions lead to eternal life. 57% of American Christians believe other religions live to eternal life. They don't. We are to serve without complaint. We are to serve wholeheartedly. People need to hear the truth. I will tell you, if someone, if any of you arrive at somewhere... And they say, well, you know, if someone had ever asked any of you on the street tomorrow, well, Mr. Smith, do you believe that Christianity is the only way, Christ is the only way to heaven? And you say, well, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to go. And I think a lot, if, you, if any of you ever say that, I'm going to be, I have failed. I have failed. Listen, there's no, but one way. Jesus is the only way. There's not a multiplicity of religions that work. Christ is the answer. So please, when someone asks you, are there a multiplicity of ways to heaven? No, there aren't. My pastor, the Bible says more important than the pastor by far. The Bible says Jesus is it. 
with all our resources. So we're to serve wholeheartedly, without complaint, with all of our resources. I was just thinking about tithing, and sometimes we as Christians, I'm not just generalization, we as Christians, we sometimes grouse about giving our tithe. Maybe it never happened to you. But why am I giving this? Listen, it is all the Lord's. If you say you're a Christian, well, I'm no thing. I'm not a Christian. Then are you not to be giving it all to God? Can he not take and replace that thoroughly? He's not going to be indebted to anyone. Tithing, well, pastor, it's just not clearly, specifically said in the New Testament. That, why are you arguing with me about giving to God? Listen, take it up with him. Why are you not wanting to give back unto him? Why is it we struggle with this? He can take five loaves and two fishes and make them a whole lot more. It's not like I wait till the end of the month and if I have a little left over, I'll give it to God. No, he deserves your first fruits. That's the principle. The first fruits of your life. And I believe also he, we are to tithe on our gross and not on our net. Ouch. Uh, wholeheartedly serve without complaint, without resources. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but you know, I, someone told me just last week, preach to the choir. We need to hear it. And so I was encouraged by that. And so that encouraged me. So here, just reminding you, little reminders, the subtle reminders. As servants, he owns us. That's my last thought on service as far as my little outline. He owns us. I like this little quote. Life is too short for us to do everything we want to do. I've got a TBR. TBR is to be read. I've got a TBR on my shelves. There's all kinds. I finished one book this week. I pretty much finished it. This Hope of Nations got most of it done this week. Whoo, man, but I've got so many more. I want to read. Uh, there's not, life is too short to do everything we want to do, but it is long enough for us to do everything God wants us to do. You hear that? It's too short. There's so many, th- you may have a bucket list that's a, that's a mile long. Okay, that's okay, I guess. But what does God want you to do? That's what the key is. I like this old, a Puritan, I'm not sure if it's Baxter or somebody similar to that. Spend your time in nothing which you know must be repented of, and nothing on which you might not pray for the blessing of God upon, and nothing which you could not review with a quiet conscience on your dying bed, and nothing which you might not safely and properly be found doing if death should surprise you in the act. Do those things. It was Tolkien who said through the Gandalf said, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us to Frodo. That's good. That's good uh, ideology. What is the time? Now, I'm not approving of all that Gandalf does. Certainly not approving of the, gag, the actor who played Gandalf by any means. But the principle is that. What are you going to do with the time you've been given? It is the Lord's. Redeem the time. Part of that is through prayer. Part of that's through service. Part of that's through preparing yourself. Blanchard says, time should not be spent. It should be invested in the kingdom of God. So when you're teaching, when you're preaching, when you're, when you're going, when you're talking about the Lord, when you're learning and growing and sharing what you've learned with other people, you are investing. You are investing your time. When people mentor one another, our two cats, we have the one that's still a kitten. I guess I found out today he's still a kitten, only he's about a year old. And the one that's really a kitten, just uh, three or four months old. And he, as we call him, the mentor, because he's telling the young one how, how to groom one another and how to do this and how to behave and wrestling and now how not to bite. So he's mentoring there back together. And so they're spending that time together. He's investing a lot of time. And this 
younger cat, and I hope it pays off. I hope it does. I hope he starts learning how to behave and stays off the kitchen table. Oh. But anyway, we'll just stop right there and go right on. We are to be giving our time. It's something we've lost. I think it was Andrew a couple years ago. We talked about how discipleship, I'm not remember sure, but sure as you, Andrew, how discipleship's waning in the church. We need to be training young people. The young people of today are the church of tomorrow. You and I as parents and grandparents, it behooves us. And matter of fact, I think we would even almost say God commands us to be training our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when they go out from us, they have to take that on with them. And we know, understand, once they get out from us, they, they are, make their own decisions. We understand that. But while they're with us, we have to keep on keeping on in training. We do. I really believe that. I like Will Rogers, and I think Will Rogers was from Portsmouth, wasn't he? Will Rogers and Dale Evans, Will Rogers, I think he was. He said this, half our life is spent trying to find something to do with the time we have rushed through life to save. Half our life is spent trying to find something to do with the time we have rushed through life to save. Isn't that us? We've got, uh, uh, my daughter has one of those Roomba things. It's It's a great thing with dog fur. You know what a Roomba is? It's that little round thing that it's, it, you can turn it on. It, it runs over the floors. It sweeps your floor. And when it's done, it docks itself back up onto the, the charger. It's a great thing if you have hardwood floors that, and it, they'll have a lot of things. But anyway, she has one of those. It's a great contraption. How many time-saving devices do we have? And now we're looking for, you can hear a, a young person, maybe an older person. I'm bored. I have nothing to do. What are we going? And you, because you've had to sit for five minutes, I think I'm not bored. I've got so many things I want to do at the time. But you see, I'm saying we have to redeem our time, service for the Lord. So we take all these things. We've tried to have all these time-saving things, and we fill them with everything else. What we have not done as American Christians is fill them with God's Word. I'll tell you that. I think probably Satan's cleverest soapbox again. Cleverest thing is the materialistic society we are in. Good things distracting us from the best thing. The best thing. That was the fourth S. We've had State of the Union. We've had study. We've had seek. We've had serve. And we're going to finish out tonight with sanctuary. Make church a priority. And if you have any, and I'm pretty sure you've already got running through your mind what verse I'm going to in Hebrews 10.25, please. Hebrews 10.25. Church, a priority. Recent Pew Research today in America, January 8th, 2023. How many percentage, what's the percentage of America that, Americans that went to church today? How, what's the percentage across America of Americans that actually went to a church, any church, 25%. That, what, what was it, what, 1990? 47%. Today, 25% of people. Now, our county may be a little higher than others. You may be a little bit in the Bible Belt or something like that. Across America, do you realize how sad that is? Now, we're not talking about... Bible preaching churches, we're talking about churches. Only 25% on any given Sunday in America attend church. The writer of Hebrews said, "For not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is called the book of Hebrews, written to the Hebrews. And so evidently some of the Hebrews were already starting to wander in their church attendance, not forsaking of the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Look around you, you can find people who've drifted off, whatever. But we are to be meeting together, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is exhortation? I can tell you what exhortation is. It's right here. It's still on the piano from December the 18th. That's exhortation. Pastor Tim, we appreciate you. Play soft. All our love. All our love. From the choir, and I appreciate that. I don't always remember it because I get carried away. Uh, some of the songs we play, man, I just get, oh, I got room. But that's, I, I'm keeping it up there till the cows come home because I know I need to play softer so that I don't overpower them and you hear them and not me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about God's word that comes through in clarity. When the choir sings, we're working on the majesty and the glory of your name. My hope for the choir is that the songs that we sing, you can tell, number one, what we're saying. And number two, we are hid behind the words, the music, and wow, the majesty and glory of his name, that name, Jesus. Isn't it amazing that the name Jesus can be drugged through the mud and all kinds of, oh my God, or whatever, all all these different things, and people spout out, they don't even know what they're saying, and yet you start saying, Allah this, or a law that, or there's no other name that is so taken in vain than our wonderful set of all names in the world and the universe. If there's any name that should be sacred upon everybody's lips, Jehovah God, Jesus, and yet it's the one name is fair game. Please, it not be fair game in your life. Don't even use the euphemisms, gosh and gene. All don't don't even start. If you start it, ask God to help you get rid of it. We need to have mouths that glorify our Savior. Part of our service. In church. Turn with me also then to Acts 2. One more verse. Got more verses regarding the church. Acts 2.42. We are to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Acts 2.42. Would you would there please? Acts 2.42. Typically we do an expositional verse by verse of a book. But we've sort of taken the last couple of Sundays more of a, a, a subject. And the subject is, cha- is our... Preparing for this new year, 2.42 of Acts. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and finding favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Wouldn't that have been an exciting thing to be a part of? Wow! Think if we had a church of a thousand here on this little corner. We blew out the doors here and had this big gymnatorium there in the back back 40 over here. And a thousand people came every Sunday. Why would it be, wouldn't that be exciting? It can be exciting every day here. You say, Pastor, I come every Sunday and Sunday in and Sunday out. And I don't ever get much out of the sermons here. And I used to do that. I, not, not here necessarily. No one, by the way, no one's ever even said anything like that. But a lot of you getting something out of the sermon is you getting prepared for the sermon. You're getting prepared. 
Well, I'm going to rush in here and I'm not going to read my Bible all week and I'm never going to pray one time. I'm going to rush in here, plop myself down now, teach me something and curse. Whoa, whoa. I won't do it. I don't care. I could, be, I could stand on my head. Bob, do you see the pastor stood on his head? What did he preach on? I don't know. But the past, and he spun around on his bald head. Man, it was amazing what we saw in church. What did he preach on? Oh, I don't know. But I, the pastor stood on his head. Woohoo! I excited. Now, what's he going to do next week? See, if I start that, I've got to come up with something new the next week. I've got to have the three dancing bears the next week and the four prancing ponies the next. You say that's ludicrous. Yes, it is. Because we're coming here to hear this. That's why our pulpit is in the center of the Baptist church, because we believe the preaching of God's word is why we are here. Why we're here. What you win them with, you must keep them with. Nine years ago, again, a survey I referred to last week, Michael Snyder did the survey. You can make statistics say anything, and I may have given you statistics that countermand the other, but listen to the, his, his statistics called the truth, a hundred things regarding our society. 29% of all U.S. Americans seldom or never attend religious services, 29%. A study conducted by the Barna Research discovered that nearly 60% of all Christians from ages 15 to 29 years of age are no longer actively involved in any church. It is being projected that the percentage of Americans attending church in 2050 will be about half of what it is today. So you can imagine 25% down to 12 point, 12 point, 12 point, yes, I'm 12 point, anyway, 12 point five, 12 point five percent in about 2050. One survey conducting a while back found that 52% of all American Christians believe at least some non-Christian faith can lead to eternal life. We talked about that earlier. And according to LifeWay research, 46% of all Americans never even think about whether they will go to heaven or not. 46% of all Americans never even think about whether they will go to heaven or not. And my wife was relating to me a story from Cheryl about John Rollins in emergency room or somewhere. And he was helping a man. And as he was getting ready to die, he says, help me because it's getting so hot, hot, hot in here. And people, they will plan to go to Macau or India or wherever for weeks and get their, all their passes and all these things, and they'll plan out, and they don't spend five minutes preparing for eternity. It's, you and I need to be confronting people in a loving way. Are you ready to go to heaven? If you were to pass from the life today, why would God allow you into heaven? It's part of what we do. Pastors do it. Yes, I should do more. We should all be a part of that. From the Washington Standard online, 40 facts that prove America's moral collapse and is spinning out of control April the 6th, 2019. Two, number one, an average of more than 100 churches are dying in the United States of America every week. Every week. 100 churches dying in America the number of Americans with no religion has increased. This will be from 1989 to 19, 2019, increased by 266% in that time. 200, those who have no religion, the nuns. Sanctuary, simply put, the Bible tells us we need to be attending church so we can worship God with other believers and be taught the word of God for, for our spiritual growth 
again from Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. We need one another. We are like the V-shaped geese who are flying. I guess they've already flown south and coming back north after a while. But that lead goose, geese, flappy thing, he's taking the lead, and everybody behind him, they're encouraging him because he's cutting the path, and then he'll slip out, and the next guy comes up, and he's the point. And then after he tires out, he slips back. He's drafting. It's like you're driving tractor trailers, and they can draft. I guess, is that real, Mr. Dickens? You can draft behind somebody? Draft, and that's what they're doing. They're drafting. But that point guy, he's taking all the wind. But they're back here. I'm sorry. That's got to be annoying. That's got to be annoying. I'll just say it myself. That's annoying, Pastor. They're, they're encouraging him. And that's us. Like, like I said, last Sunday night, after the service, I know you said you're preaching to the choir, Pastor, but man, we need to hear that. We just need to be reminded of that. That encouraged my heart. When I see you here tonight, that encourages my heart. I see you Wednesday night, Sunday morning. That encourages my heart. It does. We should be following that example of teaching one another, encouraging one another. We see people come into our congregation we don't know. We introduce ourselves to them, and we greet them, and we welcome them, and make them feel at home. Church attendance is not just a good suggestion. Suggestions are wash your hands before supper, take out the trash before it stinks, look both ways before you cross the road, Avoid skunks, if at all possible. Those are suggestions. Now, they're pretty good suggestions. That's, this is not a suggestion. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It's imperative. Don't do it. Don't do it. When we, as God's children, I know sometimes there's, there's different reasons, especially at night in the winter, understand those things. But if we intentionally neglect God's people and his church when we could go, we are disobeying, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, I know there's illness and other reasons why they can't. Pastor Wayne just said to me yesterday, oh, I so miss church. Boy, I miss church. And you should be thinking the same thing. If church is something you do because we know you should be doing it and you enjoy church, boy, I miss church. That's something that happened to you. That's what happened to Pastor Wayne. We, we, we should be about his business. Even the early church, some already were falling into the bad habit of not meeting with other believers. The author of Hebrews says that's not the way to go. We need the encouragement the church attendance affords and the approach as we approach what I think are the, we're already in the end times, last days if you would, but the end of the end times, end of the last days and before Christ comes back for his church, we need to be active. We need to be devoted to serving the Lord through the church ministry. He has chosen not social clubs. He's not chosen the band or the symphony or whatever. He's not even chosen angels. He's chosen the church by which to get this wonderful message of the gospel out. Now, later on, an angel will, as you well know in tribulation, be doing that. But right now, it's us. I read in gotquestions.org, a recent survey conducted by Barna Group, a leading research organization whose focus is on the relationship of faith and culture, found that less than 1% of young adult population in the United States has a biblical worldview. 
Even more startling, the data shows that less than one half of 1% of Christians between the ages of 18 and 23 has a biblical worldview. The two studies conducted by both Barna and USA Today found that nearly 75% of Christian young people fall away from the faith and leave the church after high school. Now, I read also that half of them come back a decade later, which is good. Regardless, we are to be training our young people. And our schools of today, our colleges and universities of today, so are turning them away. Be careful before you enter or go to or let your child go to a public school, a university, because they are bent on changing. It takes a strong Christian to stand out. I know maybe some of you have that, and some of them are praised. We need strong Christians in schools, but I'm telling you, the average Joe Christian comes out of the church and not ready. The average Christian today is not ready to confront someone who's in a cult who has scriptural background for what they believe. What what, 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 what I say now? Let's call the pastor. No, but the time is now for you. For you. I just read my wife shared a a tweet with me this afternoon. It's like, there's some who are so bent on their theological persuasion that they'll take a little bit here and accuse and whatnot. If you don't believe like we do, then you're just not right. I mean, we have all the answers. And then the more answers I've read from your ideology, the less I believe it. And in truth, so I hate to say it that way, but I just completely disagree with you. But I disagree with you in love. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. But I disagree with that. I'm not going to sign on for that. And you're certainly probably not going to sign on for what I believe the Bible says. Because you think the Bible says this. Why do people leave the church? The church is relevant. Now, what does that mean? The church is relevant. Well, we've changed the church and the seeker-sensitive church. It's, well, we've got, we look like the church. We sound like the church. We talk like the church. We dress like the church. It's not, it's, there's nothing different. We have the light shows. We have, we have the, 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 what is that called that comes up? What is it called? Yes, those things that come on. They come on and the, the fog comes on and the lights that come on. We have this music and, and we, we're all pumped up and we have the lights turned down real low except for on the stage. And we're looking... Where's the Bible in that? I'm not boohooing, not boohooing everything. I'm saying, and we're trying to be culturally relevant, and we're being scripturally unsound at the same time. What you win them with, you must keep them with. You must. Well, we, we, we've been sent out unarmed. Okay, you've been sent, and there are some churches who unarm their people. They're not prepared. That's not my desire. My desire here is that you're ready, that you have learned, and you hear the truth, and you know what the Bible says, and you're checking what the pastor says by according to the book, and that you're ready to go out and to confront a world that needs to hear the truth. We're just hand-me-downs. Well, then you need to believe it for yourself. Train your children. Listen, and there's sometimes we got, we're so good today at excuses. Sometimes it's your responsibility to live right for God. It's your responsibility to grow. It's your responsibility to read. And some leave the church, well, I'm tired of pretending. Well, then get real. Receive the Lord as personal Savior for real. And read His Bible. And study and grow. But it might take some effort. Yes, study to show thyself. Approve unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Don't take the easy way out. Well, pastor, I know I just can't leave the Christian life. You can't. I can do all things through Christ 
which strengtheneth me. Pastor, we just don't need the church. Well, you just you don't understand. You do need the church. I need the church. Isn't it interesting? I was just riding through Cincinnati yesterday, and all this, those billboards, which are fantastic, that change every two or three, four seconds. What's that guy's name that got hurt for the bills? Dark. Hamlin. Prayers for Hamlin. No, I'm not. I, that's a great thing. But you see where people go when they are in need? Prayers. Maybe uh, it's great to be praying for. I think he's doing pretty well. Isn't he doing a lot better? He is doing a lot better. Well, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. But the bottom line, I'm telling you, people know what they need when it comes to a crunch time. Will you pray for me? And then people, oh, oh will you pray for me? Oh, I want nothing. That little hunter, Walagura, we're praying for. I'm not sure how he reached out to Karen. But if there's one thing he, and there's one thing we need, is prayer. And I trust tomorrow you're praying for Druvica. You're already praying for Ian. You're praying for other people, other people, Matt, and other people who need prayer. Listen, prayer changes things. It changes you to follow God and obey him. We'll stop right there. I'm going to hook up the wagon to quote Mr. Lauderdale. We're unhooking the wagon right there. It's already two after seven. Thanks for your patience. Let us pray. Lord, we're thankful that you are patient with us. Your word is abundantly clear. We are to study to show ourselves to prove unto God. The Bible is to be our mainstay. You are our mainstay, and it is your word to us. We are to seek. We are to pray. Be diligent in our prayer life. We are to pray for one another. We are to pray that we would walk with you, that our will would be aligned to yours and not in some kind of contrary will. We are to serve. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Lord, we confess often we come to church, I won't say grumpy, but just not with the joy of the Lord. Lord, we should come expecting. Lord, I've gone to church so often, and just sure, I'm not going to get anything out of it. And you know what? I didn't. Lord, help us to come prepare our hearts the whole week to hear from your word. And Lord, take my feeble words And use your marvelous, life-giving word to encourage us all, please. And then, thank you for our church. Thank you for each one involved. May we go forward this year and serve you faithfully. Thank you for so many who clean and do and wash and cook and align and organize and pack and give and go and tell and, and pray and email and cards and all these things lord it is not the pa- it is everyone working together not just the pastor i am the under shepherd you are the shepherd may we follow you in jesus name i pray amen